Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. You know, I'm 30. I've made my first million. I had these two beautiful kids. I have this beautiful wife who I adore. And for some strange reason, some inexplicable reason, we have this itch to do something bigger. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Hello, veggie lover. Do I have a very plantastic episode for you today? I was chatting with Matt DeGroyder, who is the co-founder and CEO of Next Level Burger, an amazing plant-based burger joint. If you haven't already been there, you should definitely go. But this conversation was so inspirational, so empowering. I know you're going to get so much value out of it. So Matt DeGroyder is the co-founder and CEO of Next Level Burger, America's first 100% plant-based burger joint that serves up vegan burgers for a better world in 10 locations coast to coast. Since its start in 2014, Next Level Burger has become a plant-based phenomenon. Matt and his wife and co-founder, Sierra DeGroyder, lead the large-scale national expansion of the brand, adding more cities and more stores every year without losing sight of their passion for serving healthy, sustainably sourced food that drives their commitment to nourishing the people and nurturing the planet. And in this conversation, we talk about his vegan journey. Unfortunately, it started with tragedy and it's such a sad beginning, but he was able to turn that tragedy into something so inspired and with so much courage. So I just love his story. I love the story of how he started Next Level Burger. You definitely have to listen to this. I think it's so impactful to hear his journey. We also talk about the concepts behind the restaurant, how it's mission-driven, and how they determined what the values of the restaurant were going to be, his favorite part of the job, and the hardest part of the job. 
And also, I wanted to know whether he's deliberate about connecting his health and well-being to his purpose and his longevity and the longevity of serving his purpose. So we talk about that. He gives us his advice for big dreamers that want to make a big impact. And of course, we hear what he wishes more people knew. And then he finishes off with his top three tips for someone that wants to reduce their meat consumption. It is really good. I know you're going to love this episode and get to know and love Matt as well. Thank you so much for my return listeners. Love you so much. I'm so grateful for you and welcome to all my new listeners. It is so nice to have you. I hope you enjoy this episode. Take some time to browse the other episodes that we have. And if you feel called to it, please share this with someone that you think may benefit from it. And now let's welcome Matt DeGroyder. Matt DeGroyder, welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. It's such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you, Dr. Yami, like mommy. It is so nice to meet <laughs> you. I'm really excited uh, for this interview today, and I love your background. It makes me want to hang out with you. Thank you. Yes, I love color. I want to always be surrounded by color and brightness and rainbows and unicorns. So that's the yeah, kind so of magical world I live in. <laughs> Dr. Grieger, uh, at least a couple of Dr. Grieger's yep. works on yep. the left. How Not to Die, How Not to Diet, some of my favorite books, a fiber-fueled cookbook. Yeah. My friends, The Sure's Eyes, their book, The Alzheimer's Solution. So yeah, lots of good stuff on my, my bookshelf. Love it. Love it. All right, Matt, I want to hear about you. I'm so excited about this. And before we started recording, Alejandra, my podcast producer, and I were talking about how much we love Next Level Burger. And of course, I started salivating and I can't wait to have your food again. But I want to start from the beginning because before you even had the concept for this restaurant, you had to have your own personal transformation journey. So tell me about your vegan journey. Was it a difficult transition and how did it affect your friends and family? So for me, um, my uh, journey was one that I did not anticipate in any way, shape or form. I grew up on a 100% not plant-based diet. My mother was an amazing cook you know, roasts and pork chops and mashed potatoes with as much dairy as you could possibly get into a plate. Uh, and it never even crossed my mind that you would be a vegetarian, let alone what I would come to understand as a, as a vegan. Um, and into my late 20s, I was eating upwards, and I kid you not, 10 pounds of red meat a week. My idea of a healthy, good-for-you vitality promoting dinner was a 16 to 24 ounce porterhouse a big salad on that at almost every night i mean at this point it's a disgusting sort of uh amount of, of meat but at the time i was proud of it right i i felt like this was the diet that i would thrive on um and so you know i had grown up playing sports i had joined the marine corps out of high school um you know uh a- athletics and being physical uh, was how I was raised. My dad was a, a, a triathlete and a track uh, runner and a basketball player. And we did everything, right? Mountain biking, rollerblading. And yes, I'm talking 1992, you know, Blades of Thunder style rollerblading. You know, I had equated like many, particularly guys of my generation, vitality and athleticism and testosterone with lots and lots of of, of meat, particularly beef. I mean, at the time I, I steered away from chicken because I felt like it wasn't quite manly enough. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know. It's almost embarrassing (laughs) at this point to to say, but it's true. But in 2010, 
um, I had a really difficult um, uh, catalyst in my life. My mother, who I adore um, uh, deeply, amazing mom, uh, was diagnosed for the second time with breast cancer. She had been diagnosed with it when I was a teenager. Um, and at 15, my younger brother was 13. Uh, she, uh, was, was not supposed to make it. Um, and she beat it back. Um, really, really difficult road. Um, but she said after, uh, two years of chemotherapy and radiation and another year plus for the reconstructive surgery process and a lot of pain and suffering, she said, if it ever comes back, like I'm not doing this again. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, 10 years later, after beating it in 2000, in 2010, uh, it came back. And, and we found out that not only had it come back, but it had metastasized throughout our entire upper body. And we found out, and uh, you know, I was holding my mom's hand, she passed away less than two weeks later. Oh, man. So, so it, was, it was brutal. Um, she passed on June 20th, and uh, at the far too... Uh, young of age of 56 years old, I, I watched my mom take her last breath. Right. And, and so I'm, I'm understandably pretty crushed at this moment. Um, my son uh, was turning three, four days later, and I was at his birthday party. And we were, of course, trying to have a great birthday party, bright background, like, you know, what you've got going on, Dr. Yami. But, you know, I was looking across and I remember really well, I was looking across the breakfast table where we were having the party and the cake and the balloons and the bright colors. And I was thinking, man, I want to see this kid grow old. And what was happening in the background of the, the, the previous few months is that my, my wife who had decided to become a vegetarian the year before, which, you know, I, I, I know this sounds strange, Dr. Yami, but I didn't even know a vegetarian my whole life until my wife decided to become one. And I had told her at the time, I'll support you. I love you. She felt really a strong level of conviction about it. But I said, don't try to guilt me into becoming a vegetarian because it ain't ever going to happen. Right. Famous last words, particularly for my husband. And so uh, as she had continued her journey about being a vegetarian, she had started flirting with this really weird uh, term uh, vegan. Right. And. And, and I just felt like we had gone from, you know, sanity to insanity because I got the vegetarian thing, right? You don't want to eat animals. I get that. But milk, eggs, come on. What, what's the problem with that? And so she had bought a number of books. We're both voracious readers, love to learn. That was actually what we originally sort of got interested in each other over um, was uh, we love to read and we love to learn and we kind of intersected. Uh, in our early 20s that way. But she had bought books like The China Study, and Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn's How to Prevent Reverse Heart Disease, and funnily enough, The Kind Diet by Alicia Silverstone, right? And I made so much fun of her, Dr. Yami. I was like, oh my gosh, you're going to get diet advice from Alicia Silverstone as if way harsh tie. I mean, all these, you know, I, I, growing up in the nineties, I mean, if you didn't see close a few times, I, I don't know what to say. And so in the wake of my mom's passing, um, she had left my, my wife had left these books just laying around. I started picking up the kind diet and flipping through it. And I was like, wow, this is actually interesting. And then she had a really well-cited bibliography. And so I picked up some of the books cited in the bibliography that my 
wife had purchased. And I start flipping through the China study and I go, holy smokes. Like, this is powerful. This isn't some sort of philosophical mumbo jumbo, right? To quote Nicolas Cage, this is, this is science. And what, what, I, what I hadn't shared, uh, what I haven't shared yet, is that heart disease and cancer was pretty rampant on my mom's side. Um, her dad had had four heart attacks and four open heart surgeries by the time he had made it into his 70s. Actually, just six months after my mom passed away, her younger brother, um, uh, uh, at 48 years old, Dr. Yami, a widow maker, that was all she wrote. He was gone. And so my poor grandparents had to bury two of their four children uh, in less than a year. And so what I was waking up to was this reality that maybe a lot of cancer and heart disease isn't just Russian roulette. It's not you just get that round in the chamber or you don't. Maybe we have some control and some influence. And when, when I was open to that reality, I realized as I continue to read that I was at a crossroads moment. So I could ignore what I was reading and what I was coming to understand. Or I could change my 10 pounds of red meat a week diet. And at the time, it was like asking me to do the impossible. And I know that sounds so silly. Uh, but but every meal, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and every snack in between for me, animal protein was at the center. And so I didn't say anything to my wife because I didn't want her to get excited. But I was like, okay, I'm going to try this for 30 days. I'm just going to try it. And And, you know, the way that I put it, before is it was like asking myself to walk around on my hands for the next 30 days. Like I, I could do it, but it felt almost impossible. And yet two weeks into it, I felt like a million bucks. Now at this point I'm in oil and gas, uh, private equity. So I have a really stressful, but lucrative career. And at work, the stress just felt like it was rolling off my back in a different way. Um, which I now understand probably has to do with my cortisol levels, right? I felt lighter and leaner and cleaner. And I now, of course, understand that as I'm, you know, moving away from these super heavy saturated fats and, and animal proteins in my system, of course, I felt lighter and leaner and cleaner. And then at the gym, I just, I just couldn't believe the difference. I, I just felt really, really strong. And, and the endurance was just dramatically more than what I had before. And I was just, I've been on bench press or, or what have you, and I, I could just keep going. So after two weeks of, of trying it out, um, I, I told my wife, Hey, I'm two weeks into this 30 day thing. And, and I, and I basically haven't looked back. And so that process wasn't overnight. Cause I, I went from eating 10 pounds of red meat a week to plant-based with some fish uh, and I ate that way for about three years. And then in 2014, I went completely vegan. Um, and that's been a, a long journey, which of course we only have so much time to get into today. But for me, the analogy is an intentional dial that I continue to turn up and really fine tune, which has continued past my vegan journey. Because what most people uh, used to do and far less so now is they kind of jump on the vegan bus and go, oh, I'm eating plants, so I'll be fine. You need to do it intentionally. You need to do it intelligently so that you can live optimally. Uh, but for me, that moment was almost the sort of matrix moment of red pill or blue pill. And frankly, Next Level Burger probably would not exist if 
we hadn't walked down that path of the unknown into this sort of plant-based journey. Oh, goodness. What a journey. I got chills when you were talking about being at your son's birthday party. And that was your soul talking to you saying, hey, bud, what do you want in this life? What is your why? You know, and your why is like, I want to stay around. I want to enjoy this. I want to be there for my family. And that's a really important and really strong why that was prompted by seeing your mom and your uncle die far too early, far too young, you know? So even though it was such a huge tragedy that's still causing you pain and suffering, there's some gifts there too, like a message, like how do I want to take my habits and behaviors, the things I can control to give myself a chance to enjoy this life on this earth even longer? That's so, so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you for nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, there is uh, the sort of elemental connection of one generation to the next. And then that generation to the following generation as we look to our kids. And what a powerful why. Yes. Uh, and I and I remember that moment so clearly, and I think it'll be with me to my dying day, hopefully, after, you know, post 100, healthy at 100, if, if I can get there. Um, and I think if we spent more time reflecting on that why as a species, we'd be in a better place. And, and I think we will, whether it's climate change or it's health, and maybe we can talk about some of that later on. If we spent more time thinking that way, I think we'd live on a better a better planet doing a better job as stewards of this amazing gift we've been given that is life. Yeah. But it definitely took courage because just like you were saying, you were like, this feels nearly impossible to me. Like I've been eating 10 pounds of red meat for a long time. Like how am I even going to do this? And so it did take that courage. It took that willingness to be uncomfortable. And I love your story is very similar to mine in some ways, because I also did the 30 day thing. And I also read the kind diet at the beginning of mine too. So (laughs) Alicia Silverstone, I think she's like in a a lot of people's stories somehow, but, um, but yeah, it was one of those like, well, what, what do I have to lose? Just try it and see. And if it's a disaster, you can always go back to what you were doing. Right. So I love that experimental approach because it puts less, less pressure on you to just be like perfect or say, I'm just going to do this forever for the rest of my life. It doesn't feel so permanent, you know? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. How how long ago uh, was, uh, was that moment for you? About 12 years. It'll be 12 years next month. Yeah. 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 Wow. So yeah, mine would have been 2010. So like you're 2011. So I mean, that zeitgeist was was percolating. Yeah. All right. So then tell me, how did Next Level Burger come about? You were saying that you were working in oil and gas, making lots of money, yeah. which sounds great. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. so then you yes. go and you're like, let me uh, let me risk things on starting a restaurant, which I always hear is risky. I, yes. I have a dream of having a restaurant eventually. So I think that's one of those things that requires a lot of courage. So tell me, where did that come about? Or insanity, Dr. Young, or insanity. <laughs> I, I, maybe, maybe in equal measure, both. So so I shared 2010 was the sort of intersection for diet. Um, and at the time, we only had my son, who was three. Uh, but in 2011, we welcomed our daughter into the world. And what had happened between uh, my mom's passing, 
uh, and my daughter coming into the world is my wife and I had basically, I mean, she'd already gone vegan and I had pretty much gone vegan with a little bit of fish here and there. And so we raised our, our daughter vegan. And ironically, uh, one of the biggest concerns that my mother had with my son is that he refused to eat meat, mm-hmm. period. She would make these amazing roast chicken dinners, blend them into the most amazing organic, because my mom was 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 into organics before it was cool, uh, organic baby food. And then, you know, the grand moment where she would take the spoon of the chicken and he just spit it out. And so, you know, he insisted on being a vegetarian basically as soon as he was able to, you know, eat solid foods. And our pediatrician assured us that he'd be fine. You know, you can basically feed kids anything and they'll grow like wheat. And so it was a really natural transition uh, for everybody else except for me. <laughs> and for my daughter, you know, she was she was she was carried by a vegan and came into this world uh, a vegan. And so our family kept walking down this path of eating plant based eating organic, eating non-GMO. And I actually started my plant-based journey in Dallas, Texas, right? State capital of the United States, only probably second to, to Buenos Aires and, and Argentina in the world for state. Um, and uh, and we had relocated uh, to Laguna Niguel, where I'd opened up a branch office for my company in Newport Beach. And we had kind of hit the apex of the, the classic American dream. We had a beautiful home in Laguna Niguel, um, I drove my dream car from high school, which was a, a BMW M3, you know, screaming, high revving V8. Uh, and I wore Versace suits to work. And, you know, weekends consisted of cutting out of the office at two, getting the family, you know, grabbing a great bite to eat and then going to the beach. I mean, it was it was it was awesome. And so, you know, I'm 30. I've made my first million. I had these two beautiful kids. I have this beautiful wife. Um, who I adore. And for some strange reason, some inexplicable reason, we have this itch to do something bigger. <laughs> and, and, you know, at the, at the time, and, and I had originally, I had, when I was in the Marine Corps, I'd read a book called Good to Great by Jim Collins, right? Most people uh, in business have either heard of it or pretend like they've read it. A few people have read the whole thing. And, and I remember, I remember falling in love with the idea, much like you brought up of owning a restaurant, like at some point that seated in your mind, right? And the idea of starting my own business seated when I was 19 and I, and I was reading this book and I still remember the moment. And so I wasn't sure what that business was going to be, but as my wife and I, I'm 30, she's 29 at the time, um, it's 2013. We're thinking about different ways that we could have a bigger impact than me just making a bunch of money and our donations to charitable causes and living our lives the way that we live our lives, right, as as consciously as possible. And so we had a few ideas. We had this idea for a water company, um, but my wife kept coming back to this absolutely insane idea that maybe we should start a plant-based burger restaurant. And and to give her credit where credit's due, she brought it up in 2010. And I said, Are you insane? There is no way I'm jumping out of the out of the 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 oil and gas business into the 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 only riskier business on the planet, probably, right? Uh, which is the restaurant business. But 
in our move to Southern California, and as much as we loved native foods and we loved veggie grill, you know, we felt like there was something missing in the commitments to organics and non-GMO. Um, and that, boy, if we could take what meant so much to our family of plant-based ingredients, organic veggies, non-GMO across the board, and we could, we could, we could wrap up what had been so powerful for us as a family into a burger joint. Could that be something other people could get excited about? And so in 2013, uh, on what was uh, my uh, last business trip to Las Vegas, uh, we had this conversation. I went to the airport. I spent the weekend at this investment conference, had all these stars align over the, the two or three days I was there. It was just strange. Um, and I came back and it was May of 13. And I said, all right. Babe, let's take a real look at doing this. And so two months later, I resigned my position as EVP of my firm. Uh, we put the house on the market and we headed to the Pacific Northwest uh, from Southern California uh, to basically stake out the PNW to build America's first vegan burger joint, Next Level Burger. And less than uh, about, let's see here, would have been uh, the last day of July of 2013 and we opened up our very first proof of concept next level burger that following july so it was less than a year later and wow the craziness really began incredible i love that you picked the pacific northwest because i think it's the best part of the country a little biased but you know that's so 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 amazing and so i just would love to hear your wife's reaction when you came back and you were like all right let's do this was she like all in or then did she get scared? That's a really good question that no one has ever asked me before. I think we were both tantalized by the prospect of aligning our, our sort of, uh, I mean, we, we had found something that we, it was, I mean, not quite fountain of youth, right? But we had found something that we were excited about and wanted to share with the world. And we did that in our own little ways. Um, but then that was married with this idea of something that could really be something and could really make a difference. So I think we were both super nervous. I've been rarely more stressed in my life than I was because Dr. Yami, there was this part of me that was like, are you insane? You have two kids. Both of them are under six. One isn't even two. You know, you're making a, a ton of money. You live in one of the most beautiful places in the world. What is wrong with you? And so I think. I think it was equal measure excitement and terrified. Uh, the the sense that I had at the time was like uh, my wife and I were getting into a boat with our kids in the back and setting off to sail on an ocean that we had no idea what was on the other side of. I mean, it was just a complete blank, like no map, nobody that we'd spoken to before that had been to this country on the other side of this body of water. It was quite literally the great unknown. And so either insane or inspired or some combination of the two was where we found ourselves as we kind of took that first big step. Yeah. I like to choose inspired. I really think, I mean, I love your story because everybody thinks the ultimate dream, right, is to make a, a bunch of money and have the BMW and have the big house yeah. and take off early at 2 p.m. on Fridays. And what more would you want? What more exactly. would you want, right? But obviously your soul was like, this isn't it. Yeah, this is great. And you can be grateful for it and you can enjoy it. 
but this isn't it. There's something out there for you that's bigger, that's more aligned with your soul's journey. And you were listening to that. You started listening to that. And I love how y'all co-created and, you know, talking about it. And then you're like, okay, let me think about that. And once you started thinking about it, you're like, yeah, I think this is the right path. And that's happened to me several times where it's super scary and seems like the worst idea ever. Like you're like, how is this even going to work? But there's something that has its hand on your back saying, it's going to be okay. I'm pushing you forward. It's going to be okay. I'm pushing you forward. And you're like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? You know? So yeah, I, I love stories like that. That is so amazing. All right. So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about, so it sounds like you did intend for it to become a chain from the beginning, correct? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Okay. That was going to be the the way. And then tell me about what, you know, y'all were thinking at the beginning as far as how you're going to position the marketing for this restaurant. Was it that you were like, okay, we're going to focus on the environment? Did Is that something that y'all had discussions about? Like, we want to make sure we use this kind of wording, not this wording. We want to be as inclusive and not scare away people. I'd love to know about that process. So that's a great question and a big question. So let me break it into a few different parts. So there was the mission side of it, right? Um, there was the brass tax business side of it. Um, and then there was the marketing side of it. And so from the standpoint of my career up into this point, I'd I'd worked for a few folks, uh, had a couple of CEOs over a number of years and good guys in a lot of ways, but I'd seen them in some ways, maybe less so, uh, make decisions that were, you know, maybe not quite cutting corners, but but close. And it always made me uncomfortable um, because, uh, you know, uh, at the end of the day, I I believe in doing the right thing, especially when it's tough. Right. And I've had to I've been called to the carpet on that. And I've had to make some really tough calls in the last, um, you know, 10 years since uh, we set out on this journey where, you know, it's been okay. Here's your moment. Are you going to do this? You're going to do that. Um, And so I realized it was going to be really difficult for me to find an organization to work for that I felt reflected the more honor bound approach to building a business and to running a business. And so there was part of this where it was the alignment of, okay, if I can't find it, we're going to have to build it. And then we're going to have to hold ourselves to that standard. And so when it came to approaching the way that we built NLB, we basically said, okay, if you were going to reinvent the burger joint for the 21st century with everything we know in the 21st century, what would it look like? And so for us, it was plant-based ingredients. It was for all the reasons, right? We'll probably talk about some of those later on. But what's talked about even now far less, and it should be in my humble opinion, is organics. I think that it's absolutely asinine that we still have such a fraction of our total farming that is organic, even though it's grown so much uh, in the last many years. Uh, no, I don't see anybody pull out the bottle of Roundup right at a at a at a at a restaurant to spritz their salad as a vinaigrette because it would be insane yet that's what 99% of our crops are doused with or some version of that um and it's time that we take a, a more stewardship oriented approach to how we raise food on this planet so we said okay organic produce across the board and then for us this is a debate you know, uh, when it comes to GMOs, uh, it's a non-GMO policy because we feel much more like the European Union. It's one of these things where you have to prove something is safe over a long period of time, 
not say, well, you have to prove that it's not good for you before it's something that you don't include. And so we said, okay, it's plant-based, it's organic, it's non-GMO. And then it wasn't, I don't even think a concept at the time. We said, okay, uh, living wages, what became known as that. We believe that it's not the guest, the customer is always right. We believe that we need to start with our team members and treat them well and compensate them well, give them a mission. And so what was that mission? That mission was to fundamentally disrupt what the burger joint concept meant for America, right? And what if you could reinvent that all-American burger joint at scale, right? I mean, think about the billions of dollars in McDonald's that flows every single year. What if you could just change a percentage of that? You know, the burger joint business in America is a $121 billion a year business. It's a lot of burgers. So, you know, we felt like, okay, if we could step in and over a, you know, certain undetermined period of time, if we could capture just 1% of that and make that what our business would be, what kind of impact could that have? And, and we're certainly not there yet, but just in the last so many years, you know, we've stopped over 55 million pounds of carbon emissions from going into the atmosphere, over, you know, 2 billion uh, gallons of water. I mean, this is the sort of carbon emissions that would take almost a billion birthday balloons to fill, right? Or 3,000 Olympic-sized swimming pools. And, and we're just getting started on our journey. And so for us, it was, okay, here's, here's the sort of structure of that business. Here's the mission, right? And there are all sorts of offshoots to that, right? Public health was the first one. Climate change became the second one. The third one was animal rights. And I think it's a travesty the way that we're treating other animals, because whether people want to admit it or not, humans are animals too. Um, and the sort of uh, uh, horror that is factory farming, that really was illuminated for me when I met Gene Bauer from Farm, from farm Sanctuary after we started Next Level. Uh, and then the last piece is the marketing angle. Um, my wife had drugged me into so many weird and strange, you know, uh, vegan or vegetarian places in California and Oregon and Arizona. Um, and, uh, you know, I was pretty convinced that if this guy, this 27 year old moron, right. Who thought that chicken wasn't manly enough to eat, but occasionally if this guy could see the light that others could too. And it was going to be really important that we had a broad mainstream appeal that was not overly female oriented. Now we weren't going to go all gym bro either, because then you're just committing the same sin in the other direction. We wanted a brand that was going to embrace as many of the people out there as possible. That was going to be as inclusive as it possibly could be. And that's one of the reasons that uh, early on, we used to lean away from use of the word, the scary word back in the day, vegan, because so many of us had really weird associations with it. I still remember the first two vegans I met. Very nice people. Man, they were weird. <laughs> I mean, I remember thinking, wow, you know, because it was it was at a wedding and it was the uh, the brother of the the groom uh and his uh partner and i remember you know 
thinking that they were two of the strangest people I'd ever met. And that was that sort of association with vegan. And so we leaned hard into being America's first 100% plant-based burger joint. Um, and that's something that we stepped uh, away from and toward over the last few years because vegan has moved from judgmental um, and, you know, uh, uh, super preachy to sexy and healthy and vitality and sustainable, um, and which we loved. And, of course, uh, the all-American vegan nomenclature uh, is, is, is probably our biggest branding initiative of the last several years because we're talking about a new America. We're talking about an America that's about inclusivity, that's about sustainability, that's about stewardship. And I think while there is, and I won't get too far afield here, so I'll leave this short but sweet, while there's some big question marks on the future of America, I think we're going to figure it out. But we're not going to figure it out operating like it's the 20th century. We're going to figure it out like it's the 21st century. Uh, I love that. And I love this drive towards conscious entrepreneurship, too, because mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's one of those things that you just kind of think about the old days. You're just going to go in there. You're going to hustle. You're going to, you know, whatever you need to do, backstab, you know, whatever you need to do to just make millions and millions and millions of dollars. But what's really cool now is that, yeah, it is more of a challenge to be a conscious entrepreneur and to think about these things and do it right the first way. But it means that you are thoughtful. It means that you're being intelligent. It means that you're up for that challenge. Like I always say that I'm not a raw vegan myself, but I always say that being like a raw vegan chef Like you have to be a super smart, savvy chef because you have to be super creative. And that's what it's like to be a conscious entrepreneur as well. Like you have to be able to think about all these moving pieces. Like we want to have a good business that's profitable, obviously, but we also want to pay our employees and treat them well and make sure that they feel and live this mission of the restaurant too. And those are all such important pieces. So Mm. that's really great. I love that. Well, what would you say is the favorite part of your job and what is the hardest thing right now? Okay. So great question. There are two aspects to the favorite part of my job. Um, So my kids are now 15. My son's almost 16 and my daughter's 11. And they've watched Sierra and I on this insane journey since basically as far back as they can just about remember for sure my daughter my son again he was like five and a half and the the it's not the pride though that's a word that comes to the surface doesn't capture it the sort of soul felt satisfaction that our kids have watched their mom and dad pour blood and sweat and tears and a lot of money (laughs) uh, into what they believe in the world. Right. Um, And the fact that, that the two biggest fans for next level burger are the ones that live in our house, our son, our daughter is more deeply satisfying and, and almost tear jerking for me than, than I can quite capture or articulate into words. Um, and so, and so I think on the, on the sort of personal side of things, that's probably my favorite on, on the business side of things, my favorite aspect of NLB, and this might surprise some people, isn't even necessarily our guests as much as I love, uh, our guests and our communities, but it's our team members. I mean, I've got 
I've got leaders who have fought the good fight with us for years now um, that started with us as early 20s, not sure what they were going to do, attracted to some aspect of our mission. And now they're leading, you know, their fellow team members and they've changed their lives and they've bought their first car or they've rented their first apartment or they've bought their first house. And they've been able to do that growing alongside Next Level Burger and helping to fight the good fight for a more sustainable, more just future. And and now we have a list of of leaders in our organization that is is ripe with people that have spent years of their career with us. Um, you know, and while we deal with, you know, a certain level of churn for sure at the team member base, our leadership teams are, are, are people that I have known for years, um, and have watched on their particular personal and professional journey. And, and, you know, maybe this is a bit of the sort of, uh, American nostalgia, um, and we need to be careful with that because sometimes it can be tricky, but I so believe in a meritocracy um, and, and the right parts of America that are, that are why we've been able to even get to the point where we are with all of our issues is that, man, this is one of the few places in the world where if you want to be a doctor, you can be a doctor. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you, you can be an entrepreneur. If you want to be a leader, you can be a leader. Now you cannot be a doctor, right? You cannot be an entrepreneur and you can be somebody that sits way back, right? That's your choice too. But if you want it, and if you're willing to go through what it takes to become that doctor, to become that successful entrepreneur, or what have you, to be that leader, it's there. And to be able to to help uh, facilitate uh, that journey for others and to watch the growth that happens in the uncomfortability, in the difficult moments, particularly, we don't grow in the high fives we won. We grow in those difficult moments. Uh, and I think that that's how our lives reach past in the sort of concentric circles of the, the ancient analogy of a, a rock into the pond. That's how we magnify our impact far past our own lives. I mean, that's the magic of the human species, whether it's the, the writing in books or it's the digital ink on the web pages, uh, or it's even more importantly, our relationships. We can reach into generations to come through the people that we interact with. And, and, you know, that for me is, is the most satisfying, the most exciting, the most fulfilling. And then the toughest part of the job, I think the toughest part of the job is the fact that whenever you're on the right side of history, you're going uphill. And man, that's tough because you wake up to the fact that 99% of the animal protein served in restaurants today with everything we know about factory farming and even more so climate change. Yeah. It's still the way it was right at 99% of restaurants out there. Um, you know, New York city starting yesterday looks like something out of a movie, right? With the, the smoke that has moved down from Canada and and people are scratching their heads going, well, that's weird. <laughs> we're just watching climate change remind us of its presence. And yet we're spewing more carbon dioxide and methane into the air than we ever have. Yeah. You know, I think I saw something the other day. It's like 40 
billion tons a year. Um, and so I think that the toughest part is that when you've tasted, right, or you've seen, or you now know that there's a better path, uh, realizing that we have so far to go is tough, right? Um, and that brings me back, you know, Stoic philosophy is something I've gotten into in the last many years. And you mentioned this earlier, Dr. Yami, of focusing on what you can control and focusing on what you can influence and then letting go to either God or the universe, fate, whatever your personal belief system is, the rest, because otherwise you're just going to drive yourself mad. And so every time I scroll past, you know, that news article about this aspect of climate change, or I see another thing about the, the you know, as a pediatrician, I'm sure this is where you could uh, just absolutely go on and on and on. The current health crisis in America, whether it's uh, obesity or diabetes, cancer, heart disease, all these things that are such a reflection of our daily choices and our collective choices um, in the way that we interact with the world. So that that can be tough because if if you stare at it all in one felt swoop, it can be overwhelming. But you know, you come back to the sort of uh, starfish analogy of the kid that stumbles on the starfish, you know, at a beach after after a big storm surge, and there are all these starfish on the beach. And, you know, that kid's picking one starfish up after the other and putting them back in the ocean. And, of course, the adult walks by and says, what are you doing? You're crazy. You can't save all these starfish. You know, what's the difference? What kind of meaning? What kind of difference are you making here? And, you know, the kid picks up the starfish and puts another one in the ocean, says it matters to that one, and just keeps going. Um, and so I think that from the standpoint of understanding that we have so much work left to do and that like every time we've been on the right side of history. And I mean, we just, and I'll limit it to this country, right? You know, I'm reading a book about Abraham Lincoln right now. I'm a voracious reader and, and I've read many books, but this book is breathtaking in the sense that it gets into the nitty gritty and the fight for, for the emancipation uh, of the slaves in the United States of America, you just can't believe until you get into it. You just can't believe it. And we saw this for women's suffrage. We saw it for women's rights. We saw it for the LGBTQIA plus community. We still see these things to this day. These aren't problems that we've solved. And, you know, a lot of the time, the people that have fought that good fight, like Martin Luther King, they had to sacrifice their very lives to push it forward. And of course, uh, you know, uh, many others laid down their lives right next to him, both in absolute sense and in the sense of the suffering and the pain they had to go through. Um, and so, yeah, it's a lot easier in this world to sit back, try to get rich by hook or crook, drive a fast car and, you know, ignore everything else that's going on. But if you're somebody that sees the problem, acknowledges the problem, whatever that problem is, if you have an inkling as to what the solution can be, and you're willing to pour the blood and the sweat and the tears to lay down the sacrifice, man, there are a few, I think, grander ways to spend your life and the currency of it than to trying to move the world in the right direction. And of course, speaking of Martin Luther King, one of my favorite paraphrasings and, and quotes from him is, you know, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And man, you're either leaning on that thing or you're not in this world. 
And, and I hope that I can always say that I leaned as hard as I possibly could and that us as an organization, we, we put our everything into it. Yeah. Oh, so powerful. Well, I, you're my kind of person. I love it. You're obviously very mission driven. And I love how you are being a role model for your children because they have the permission to, to be mission driven people, to use their time on earth to make an impact if that's what they're called to do. Everybody has a different path. You know, some people just, they don't get that feel or feel that calling or they're too afraid to ever follow the calling, but you had the courage to do it. So that brings me to something I'm really curious. I think I know the answer because you referred to it earlier, but do you connect your health and well-being to your purpose? Is that something that you're intentional and mindful of? Are you thinking, all right, I want to protect this vessel because I want to have more time on earth also to make an impact, not just to see your, your children grow old, but to serve a certain purpose. Is that something that you ever think on or reflect upon? Yes. Um, and that is the rub, right? Uh, in fact, going back to the Abraham Lincoln uh, uh, book that I'm reading right now, um, the, the weight of being the president of the United States to the Civil War, they talk about constantly the, the difference. You see this in Barack Obama too, right? The, you know, it's almost been a cheeky, funny thing, uh, you know, before president of the United States, one year later, right? It looks like he's added 10 it's or like 20 years. years. <laughs> yeah, that's like, good Lord. Um, and so there's that balance uh, that, that if you're going to try to make a difference in the world could be tough to strike. And I've seen this in doctors that I know, you know, like just getting through medical school and what you put your body through your mind, through your spirit, through, um, I've seen it in entrepreneurs, right? The blood, the sweat and the tears doesn't come, you know, nine to five, right? It's, it's sometimes an overwhelming pressure. So for me, um, I have done my best because I have, I have understood that my stress is going to be high, right? So I have done my best to focus on the things that matter most. And for me, the things that matter most are my family, my business. Um, and it is, it is uh, exercising, working out, taking care of my body so that I can do the best job at those two first things. Because if I get the business right and I screw up the family, I'll fail miserably, right? And, and, you know, I have married my family and my business so tightly that frankly, if our, my business fails, it's going to be really difficult for my family. Right. Um, because we've, we've gone in so hard on it, both from a money standpoint and a year standpoint. And so, you know, okay. If those two things really go together in that order and that third piece of exercise and nutrition and sleep and stress management, like I got to get that right. So for me, <laughs> You know, working out is one of the most important parts of my life because it helps me to perform uh, as well as I can as a family uh, guy and as an entrepreneur. Um, and so, you know, I may be a little bit obsessed, if I'm being honest, with human optimization. Uh, you know, I have particularly for the last six or seven years gone further and further down the rabbit hole of maximizing health. Um, and you know, uh, at times, uh, perhaps I am a more intense person and take things a bit too far. IE when I started drinking green tea, it wasn't, you know, two, three cups a day. I had 21 tea bags a day, right. Of green tea. It's, if three is good, 21 is better. Right. So I've got to, I've got to balance my, 
intense personality with uh, the sort of uh, wise protocol approach. But for me, you know, the the very first aspect of the plant-based vegan journey that led to everything else that we've talked about today was me wanting to be there for my son. And that has just grown over time as, you know, I've I've brought that into how I approach being vegan, right? Because you can't just do it like I'm going to eat plants and everything's going to be fine. You have to do it intentionally. Right. Just like if you're going to need an omnivorous diet these days, you better approach that intelligent. When it comes to exercise, I, you know, overtraining is something I ran into years ago. Didn't realize it, but I was. Uh, when it comes to the sort of building blocks of of doing what you can do, right? I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. My vegan diet's probably not going to save me. But what I can control and influence about my nutrition about my exercise, about my sleep and how I approach that, and to hopefully put uh, myself in a position where I'm as healthy as I can be for as long as I can be. Um, and just recently, you know, I, I, I usually don't share the sorts of things like biomarkers and so on and so forth, though I, I track them consistently. I saw another article about tofu and, you know, is soy good for you? And I had to post on it and I got such a massive response because, you know, I shared like my, my testosterone tracks and my APOB, my cholesterol, you know, these biomarkers that in a person that one half of my family, my mom's side has rampant heart disease in particular for my cholesterol to be like 123 and my APOB to be, I think, 0.61. I need to look it up. Those are things to celebrate. And they are because I started walking a path that has hopefully become more intelligent over time of eating more healthily um, and approaching uh, with the wisdom that the 21st century has granted us uh, my day to day completely differently than I grew up with as a paradigm or that I would have been able to approach even 20 years ago. And so trying to bring all of that into alignment, you know, what I do for a living the kind of family man I am or I'm not, um, and my approach to the the way that I hopefully set myself up to be as good at those things as I possibly can be. I love that. That's just so amazing. I actually read that article that you wrote about the soy. It was shortly before I taught a men's class here at my practice. And during the class, I also demonstrated some recipes and I intentionally put in a tofu recipe because we know that there's evidence that shows that men who consume more whole soy products, it decreases the risk of prostate cancer. It can protect them from prostate cancer. And of course, that's like the opposite mentality we have about soy, right? And one of the gentlemen in the class, he had never had tofu before. He was a little scared. I made like a Southwest <laughs> tofu scramble. It was delicious. And I could just see, you know, I made these little tacos, breakfast tacos, very man. I was trying to make it very manly, you know, burgers and tacos and stuff like that. And, you know, he was very skeptical. I think he ended up eating like three or four tacos. So it was a success, but he was really afraid. He was like, I've, I've just never had it before. I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm going to like it, but yeah, I think we have to start changing that paradigm for people. And I love, I love everything that you're doing. Do you have any advice for big dreamers out there that want to make a big impact in this space, especially like the plant base, protecting the planet, all of those things? Oh, that's a good question. I think if I were to give somebody shorthand advice, and again, I started my journey, this entrepreneurial journey, uh, what would have been 10 years ago uh, last month. 
So May of 13 is when, when we really started the journey and, and, and hit the sort of uh, uh, ejection button at the end of July. So, so coming up on 10 years since I officially set out on the journey. I think what I would say uh, to someone else is be prepared for the road to be a long one um, and a difficult one, um, that, uh, that it will be hard to do something that you believe in. Um, that there are going to be the moments where you question your own sanity. Um, and, you know, in funny and silly ways, like, gosh, I used to get out of here at two o'clock and go relax on the beach with my family. What am I doing here? It's 7.30 p.m. on my birthday, and I'm, you know, putting out a fire, right? Uh, you know, it, literally a, a, a real memory. Um, you know, my wife's looking at me like, it's your birthday. It's almost eight o'clock at night. Why are you still working? Um, so I think I think that's why if you're gonna pick something, pick something that you truly care about. Because if you want to be a doctor because you want to help people, then the pain and the suffering of medical school is worth it. If you don't really care or it's just because mom or dad wanted you to be a doctor, is it worth it? I don't know. Um and and I think that we have this unbelievable moment in time where we're pretty much the first generation, maybe our parents in some cases, that we have the autonomy to choose to do something with our lives that we believe in and that matters. Because before that, you basically just did what put food on the table, right? And and you hoped you had a, 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 a bed to land at night and enough food in the pantry. And like that was most of humans, humanity's history. And so with this great and amazing moment in time comes the responsibility of, okay, what are you going to do? And so as you pick your path or your past, because of course, quite often our lives are full of paths, not a path, just, you know, my advice is pick something that you and your bones, your soul believe is the right, the right thing, whether that's, you know, uh, the food system or it's health. Or it's you know uh, the 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 environmental crisis that we're staring down the barrel of right now. The good news of the most important point in human history is there are all sorts of amazing causes and opportunities that one can take up. Just make sure you believe in the thing. Yeah, and you like just like you said, there's plenty of causes, and there's no one cause that's better or worse than the other. We need we need people for all the causes. And yes. so I agree, just like you were saying before, I am so grateful to live in the United States of America. And I get to play, I get to play as an entrepreneur and as, as a business owner. And I agree, there's times where I'm just like, I want to quit. Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> like, you know, but you know, I think that's normal. Same goes to marriage, right? Sometimes we're just like, oh, why am I with this person? But you have a contract, right? So you stay with them. And then eventually you're like, I actually kind of like you. I'll stick with you, you know? So the so same it's concept. So yes. I, it's so funny. I, on Sunday, I, I grabbed my, uh, so I live or HQs in Bend, Oregon, which is like a Shangri-La of outdoor uh, sort of mountains and hiking and biking and, and kayaking and stand up paddle boarding and all that good stuff. On Sunday, um, my wife and my daughter, uh, big into Girl Scouts, they're a couple of badasses. 
Um, and so they had an overnight on Saturday and Sunday morning, I, I got up and I grabbed my stand up paddleboard and I headed up into the mountains for the first time this season. And I, it was almost a spiritual sort of couple of hours. Cause it was just, there was almost nobody else up there. It was 70 degrees. The sun was shining and it was just picture perfect. Mm. And I was just reflecting on all the things that I'm thankful for. And then on Sunday night, my family was driving me more crazy, particularly my two kids, than I could possibly believe it. I just laughed because I was like, this morning I felt like the richest man on the planet. And tonight I feel like pulling my hair out as we're trying to get everybody to bed. And, 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 and so whether it's marriage or it's parenting or it's entrepreneurship, understanding that that sort of hair pulling out moment is going to happen all the time because long-term commitments require it. And yet your kids are worth it. Your spouse hopefully is worth it. What you choose to do in your life from a professional pursuit perspective, hopefully is worth it. And I think that's something that we've kind of lost in our frenetic and short-term society is that we expect stuff to happen in 30 seconds. And if not, and you better believe that it's a great marriage or hopefully a great job at parenting or building a great business or a great practice. That's going to take years. And settling in for that long marathon approach um, that anything worth it's going to take. Yeah. Uh, so wise. Well, that being said, what do you wish more people knew? I wish more people knew that what they do matters. Because one person or a thousand person or a million people or a billion people or eight billion people making small changes makes a massive worldwide difference. And so I wish more of us we're more aware that we count, right? Mm -hmm. And that the decisions that we make every day count. Because if we did, we'd use that a lot more, whether it was our, our voting with our dollars or our political rights, those small decisions that we make a thousand times a day. And I, I hope at some point we wake up to that. We see this collective weight work for social media. We see it work in the lottery. We see it work in all sorts of ways where we can quantify the impact of a lot of people moving in the same direction. And I, and I hope, and it's the reason that humanity's gotten as far as, it's, as it has, is that we wake up to what we can do with that power when we use it for good. And if climate change does not elicit that response in us, it's probably going to be a moot point because we're going to live on a very different planet. But I think we're going to figure it out think are going to wake up to our collective weight moving in the right direction, making all the difference in the world for us as a species and the rest of the, the, uh, the life that, that is living on this planet. And we're going to march into centuries ahead that are what, what will be represent, what will represent us as stewards, caretakers, not as dominators, right? Yeah. Of each other and of the planet we get to share. And so as yeah. opposed to jumping on the first rocket to Mars, God bless Elon Musk. We figure out how we do this planet. And we do it right. Yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it yes. to protect her because she's beautiful. And yes. I, and I enjoyed living here. So <laughs> yes, yes. And, and, you know, unless somebody's got a, a, a planet B in their pocket. I mean, I just and that's the thing that I guess continues to blow me away is that almost all of us have someone on this planet that we love. And if you're really fortunate, you have a lot of people that you love. And man, what could be more worth it than to help take care of the home that we all share 
in our day-to-day decisions. And so for us at Next Level Burger, we're trying to make it easy for people to choose wisely um, and to choose from a spectrum of offerings from whole foods, plant-based to, you know, a more processed, but still plant-based burger, wherever you're at on that journey. So if you're that guy that's like, oh, tofu, I got something for you. You know, if you're somebody that's it's almost raw, but not quite. I've got a Whole Foods organic quinoa mushroom, you know, patty that's going to knock your socks off. And and so, you know, we're at 10 locations now. What could we do with 100? What could we do with 1,000 in doing our part? Well, hopefully we get a chance to see. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. Well, tell us where we can find out where Next Level Burger locations are, how we can connect with you. And maybe you could just tell us what, currently is your favorite menu item so i'll start with the last question first my favorite menu item which is funny because i used to eat pounds and pounds of all the the meat analogs but my favorite burger on our menu is our signature burger it's uh, one i just mentioned organic quinoa mushroom um it's topped with organic avocado garlic thyme mayo on a whole grain bun and to this day whenever i eat the burger every single time it hits me and I feel so good after it, right? I'm just like, it, I don't know what it is about it, but it's just like the right fuel. Um, and so I, I love that burger. We got lots of awesome, and I've eaten thousands and thousands and thousands of meals at NLB, but to this day, years later, it's still, still my favorite. Um, from the standpoint of finding Next Level Burger, uh, we, as I said, we have 10 locations, coast to coast, we're now in eight cities, six states, three time zones from you know Portland, to Seattle, the California, New York, Denver, Austin, Texas. You can go to nextlevelburger.com and find the closest one near you. And then you can check us out, of course, on all the, the social medias, um, you know, uh, at nextlevelburger.com uh, or nextlevelburger. And then for me, I'm also on there that I've got a little wee little following is the vegan Huck Finn, which is a whole nother story. My nickname in high school is Huck. Uh, which is, again, uh, what would be a, a hilarious 30-minute rabbit trail. Um, but <laughs> I made my, my last name is a doozy because it's Dutch. So I made my email really, really easy. It's just M-A-T-T at nextlevelburger.com, Matt at nextlevelburger.com. So if anybody has any questions or if I can help point anybody in a particular direction, please don't hesitate. Goodness, that's amazing. And I will attest to that the food is fabulous. And, you know, when you go to a, quote, fast food joint, you kind of expect the food to taste and feel a little bit cheaper. You know, like you just have this expectation. It's not, but y'all's food tastes so good and it feels like it's just so satisfying. Like the portions are good and everything is so delicious. Like literally my mouth is watering right now. Like I think last time we were there, we had uh, one of the like loaded fries too. And when the amount came out, I was like, whoa. And we were just like all digging in and just loving it. It was a really, really great meal. One thing I'll throw in there because I got it because you just brought that up is that when it came to that reinvention of the American burger joint, we wanted to step right past that fast food because you can make vegan fast food. And while it's better for the planet, for the animals that didn't go into it, there's a real sort of argument that, you know, it's not very good for you or at least is neutral. But for us, we wanted to give people the opportunity to eat and eat well. And you will find, you know, no restaurant on this planet that has more top shelf organic ingredients than we do. And that comes through in the food. I mean, if you want to make a phenomenal apple pie, find some phenomenal organic apples, not the cheap stuff off the shelf 
you know, at the bottom of the barrel. Uh, and so that's true for everything that we make from organic American grown potatoes to the organic quinoa and organic mushrooms that go into that signature patty that I mentioned. Like we really think the quality matters in everything, because if you get those, those small details, right, that big macro zoomed up picture should look real, real good and taste really good too. Yeah. Well, it definitely shows. This has been great, Matt. If you could just leave us with your top three tips for someone that wants to reduce their meat consumption before we part ways, that would be yes. fantastic. Absolutely. The first, I'll come back to what I already said and say that what you do makes a difference. Acknowledge that. That's the first tip. So my decisions make a difference. Okay. Because if you don't have that autonomy, if you don't take that ownership, then nothing you do matters and anything that follows thereafter is accidental at best. Okay. The second thing is don't pretend like you're going to go vegan for the rest of your life. That's overwhelming for almost anyone. Take it a day at a time and find easy ways to replace something that you used to eat with something that's maybe new to you or it's close, but a little bit different. Of course, that's where we like to come into play for Next Level Burger. Instead of going to Shake Shack, God bless you, Danny Meyer, go to Next Level Burger, get anything on our menu, the naughtiest thing on there because you're still taking a step in the right direction. Most people don't know, but every time you eat a plant-based meal, you're reducing the carbon emissions associated with that meal by 50%, sometimes up to 90%. So wow. just those individual ingredients in those individual meals can make a difference. If you switch up the whole uh, meal with a plant-based alternative, you're dramatically increasing that impact. And, and I think uh, the last piece I would say to people the third element. So first one is own the fact that you can make a difference. Two is look for the small incremental changes, not the binary on or off, black or white. And then the last piece of it is understand it's a journey, right? And and to take your time with it and to explore like any great relationship or great hobby, like explore. Because what you'll find, if you're anything like me, is you start to explore that journey, like the fellow you mentioned eating the tofu tacos at the talk he gave, is you just opened his whole world, right? I realized that my diet at 27 was mind-numbing. I ate the same damn thing every single day, spiced the same darn way almost every single day. And, you know, uh, this doesn't even get into what eating in a diverse way does, Dr. Will Bolsovitz, for your biome and how important your biome is for your health. So, you know, if we approach life as a grand adventure, I think we're going to, yes, have more uncomfortable moments, right? Adventures are inherently full of scary, tension-filled moments, but it's going to be an adventure. And I think so many of us, you know, are dying against the backdrop of the mind-numbing sort of day in and day out. So, you know, go after that adventure, see where it takes you, whether it's in working out or eating and own the fact that you are the sort of main actor in your life. So do something with it. I love it. Matt DeGroyder, you are the co-founder of Next Level Burger. So inspirational. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you today, get to know you. I really appreciate all that you're doing. Thank you for having the courage to start this restaurant and to be a mission-driven person. I really appreciate that. And I hope that you have a very plantastic day. Oh, right back at you, Dr. Yami. This was so much fun. I thought it was going to be fun when I saw your background, but it was still even more fun than I could have anticipated. I really enjoyed today's conversation. So thank you for the amazing questions. 
veggie lover. I hope that you loved today's episode. Will you take a second and do me a huge favor? Please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode. You're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you. Thank you for listening and have a plantastic day.